to the smoking steak podcast this is episode 18 um of the pod um this is peter of course your host joined as always by uh the other host of this pod enric enric how are you the world cup is getting to the business end of things we're in the knockout rounds we're going to talk round 16 the brazil game and then of course our world famous predictions later uh but first of all how are you and how has um this world cup how have you been finding these these round of 16 games? I'm pretty good, Peter. Uh, I think the round of 16 is always tough, knowing that you can uh, unexpectedly lose games that you uh, wouldn't think about. But it's been a good uh, round so far, and let's see how we're going to continue doing so in the next rounds. Yeah, yep, you are totally right. And I know when you're saying a team that you might not expect losing and bowing out. I know exactly the team you are referring to. We're going to get into that. But first, let's go in chronological order. Uh, the country of our um, our citizenship here, the U.S., bowing out to the Netherlands, 3-1. Um, unfortunate for us, obviously, as Americans, um, I think they were the underdogs, of course, and I incorrectly uh predicted that the u.s would be going through uh netherlands beating them 3-1 um how did the uh the netherlands do it i mean when you look at the possession stats and some of the other stats it looks like maybe the u.s was even on top well in this world cup we saw a netherland team that uh had a hard time beating senegal in the first game goals didn't come uh, as we talked about until like the 80th minute and then they did the same thing against Ecuador. They failed to get a winning result. So that we've seen a Netherlands side uh, sort of not a very competitive team, uh, potentially to win the World Cup, but they got the result here against the United States. And on the other side, our nation as well did pretty good, in my opinion. We played the ball a lot, uh, very different to what you would have expected from uh, United States, but they got a goal, and although they were 2-0 down, they were really hoping to get that tie, and they, they weren't able to, but still, I think it was a pretty solid performance by our squad. Yeah. Yeah, I think we just hadn't seen, other than England, of course, who didn't really play, and, and England kind of followed a, a trend where that uh, in a lot of the big teams, that second game in their group stage, they didn't perform well. Um, that was the nil-nil tie with the U.S., um, I thought other than that, I thought the U.S. looks pretty good. And and uh, and you're right. They just haven't met an opponent opponent like the Netherlands with that amount of quality. Uh, they played much more direct and and, you know, they they were just outclassed. And it's unfortunate. And, and it's just part of being a developing nation uh, in terms of, of football. So, yeah, like like you said, when when Haji Wright scored, I got pretty excited and I thought maybe that this was going to uh come down to the last minute, but, uh, but Dumfries, who has been a really good player, um, both in, in, in for his club team in Serie A, but also for the Netherlands, um, uh, kind of extinguished those hopes with, with that third goal. So Netherlands are through. Um, I don't think that surprises too many. I think some of the delusional U.S. fans, such as myself, maybe thought we had more of a chance than we actually did. Um, all right. So another more straightforward game, um, Argentina beating Australia. Um, three Argentines, all credit for the goals. Um, uh, Enzo Fernandez with the own goal, although I don't think that's going to uh, impact how a lot of clubs are circling him um, and whether uh, he gets moved uh, in the next two transfer windows, um, it looks likely right now. But uh, what do you think of this one? Well, a different match, but sort of the same thing as uh, we saw earlier in the day uh, between Netherlands and U.S. Uh, Argentina, of course, the better side that you would have think that they would definitely win this match by a lot of goals. But although they scored two, Australia got back with that own goal by Enzo, as you mentioned. And overall, I think they could have even tied the match. Uh, 
Emi Martinez forced some really good saves at the end. And imagine how devastating that would have been for the Argentinian people uh, getting a 2-2 result, going to extra time, and who knows what would have happened after. Uh, a 2-1 is still good, but they Argentina has shown that they lack uh, scoring more than two goals in this competition. And there's chances that the opposite team, Australia, or maybe any other team really can score a goal against them. And uh, who knows, maybe even a second. Yeah, great points. And yeah, I, th I think you're right. I mean, you you definitely don't want to go to extra time with a side like Australia. They've been impressive. A lot. I mean, uh, we'll talk about some of the other Asian teams, but they've represented the AFC well, and it's unfortunate that none of them will be moving on. But Australia, I think they, like the U.S. and like some of the other teams, they they made a good case for themselves, and I think they can they can go home pretty proud. Uh, Julian Alvarez, again, like you said. I think he gets left in the shadow, obviously, for his club a lot. Um, Erling Holland, of course, anyone's going to be in his shadow. But uh, you can see the quality. And anyone who's watched South American football knows what he did for River Plate. So, um, so yeah, great to see him. And, of course, the Messi, you know, getting the goal as well. So, Argentina are through. No surprises there. Again, no surprises. Round of 16 seems to be that stage where the elite teams pull away and the competition between the elite really, really gets going. Uh, France beating on Poland, uh, three to one. Lewandowski um, just uh, gets the consolation goal at the 90th minute, but it's really the Mbappe show. Um, what do you think of, of, what do you think of Poland's campaign? Um, and what do you think of, of France? Well, Poland's campaign has been pretty good, although they were lucky to get out of the group stage uh, instead of Mexico. They have showed that they can be a dangerous side, uh, potentially scoring maybe one or two goals in each match. And the France team is just unbelievable. They have Kylian Mbappe. They have other stars, too, uh, without uh, saying names, maybe Dembele or fast wingers or Oliver Giroud, who has proven to be a world-class striker in this competition, as he's always been. But... Uh, at this point, uh, replacing Benzema, I think it's been really important for him to grow his career. And Mbappe, as I said, is one of the best stars uh, in the world, in my opinion, the best at the moment. And he scored two spectacular goals. We all know how good Mbappe has been for PSG or France uh, in the past. But what he scored in this match is just crazy. And me watching it live, I was thinking like, wow, this is what uh, this player is capable of. And Nobody can stop him. It doesn't matter who's in the net. Yeah, that honestly, that was my takeaway as well. And I think once the uh, triumvirate of Messi, Ronaldo, and Neymar um, maybe fade into older age, I think given what we've seen right now, uh, Mbappe, I think, is probably uh, poised to take that crown as the world's best player, of course, competing alongside Vinicius, um, and Holland, but I mean, absolutely incredible player, uh, Kylian Mbappe. Uh, Poland, for me, I, I thought they were less impressive. Uh, like you said, they were lucky to get through instead of Mexico. And, and um, you know, honestly, they don't really excite me. Lewandowski, of course, his last World Cup and um, what, what a player he has, he has been for Poland. Um, but uh, unfortunately, they're a little flat in, in my estimation. Um, but props for them to, for getting through and, and putting up, uh, you know, uh, a fight against France. Um, on the other side of that, uh, part of the bracket, we've got England beating on Senegal three nil Henderson Kane and Saka getting the goals. Um, we talked a little on Twitter. <laughs> I, I, I predicted Kane would finally score. He did, um, Thoughts on England and Senegal? Well, uh, two really good sides, especially England, as we know, a European team that uh, other than France or Brazil, is one of the contenders to win the World Cup. And on the other side, Senegal, you, you said it, Peter, they are the dark horses and they really did in this match or even before this match. Without having money, uh, they were really impressive in attack. And until the 30, 35th minute, they looked like they were going to break the, the the goal uh, and think they're going to be the first to score against England but uh, it didn't happen to be so 
great counters by England. I believe in one or two of the goals that they scored, they got uh, Senegal in counterattacks and achieved to score. And not a really good result for Senegal, as they could have possibly scored one or maybe even two. But still, England is, of course, the better side and the side that deserves to go into the next round. Yeah, again, you see just the gap in quality there. And and um, yeah, I I was listening to a lot of content on on this match, of course, with all the English speaking media covering it. Um, and yeah, you could just get the 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 sense that everyone was so nervous until that first goal went in. Senegal, I think, are a great team, and you saw that um, the best team in Africa. Um, it, it's over the last few years. Um, and, uh, and and again, they're doing this without Sadio Mane. Um, and so, yeah, very impressive. They probably didn't get as far as I would have um, hoped to see after making that prediction that they were going to be the dark horse. But um, when you come up against a side like England, it's really hard to beat them. Um, but yeah, great, great campaign for, for Senegal. And, and uh, we'll get to the other African team in the round of 16. Uh, but uh, I think they did Africa proud and um, they can like, like the U S and like Australia, I think they can hold their heads high. Um, as far as England goes, I think they have a good chance against France. Of course, they always have that. I don't know what it is, but that ability to kind of shoot themselves in the foot, but I feel good about this England team. Um, and I was I was pretty impressed with their performance in some of the group stage games and uh, and against Senegal. So I'm really stoked to see England and France going up against each other. Um, moving back to uh, the AFC team that we mentioned, Japan and Croatia, one one, um, and it going uh, to extra time and then penalties. Uh, heartbreaking for the Japanese. They they lose. Um, despite going ahead. Um, Enric, what were your thoughts on, on this game? Um, and I can't even remember. Did you, you said Croatia was going through, right? No, I said Japan, I think, uh, because uh, knowing how Japan uh, did in the group stage, they beat uh, Spain, they beat Germany, and I thought this was going to be another match where they're going to beat an European side. And on the other side, Croatia, who conceded first, I really believe that they're going to come back uh, just like they did against Canada, although it was uh, in the very first minutes. I thought that they would come back, score two, three, or four goals and put Japan to the side, but things didn't happen to end this way. And they go to extra time, no goals scored. And in penalties, it's a game that everybody, anybody can win. doesn't matter how good you are. It's all based on luck, in my opinion, and Croatia. Uh, for having maybe more experience on penalty kicks. Uh, they got the job done and qualified. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, I think I was reading just just today, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal talking about penalties and what matters and what doesn't. And so much of it is psychological. Um, and when you have the experience the players of Croatia have, I think they just always have that natural edge um, in in a match um, and Croatia of course loaded with experience and talent of course sad to see Japan go out I'm pretty sure I said Japan as well um, I think more than the U.S. more than Australia um, I think they're right on that cusp we saw a couple of years ago them go out to Colombia even though they they had control of that game um, they scored first again here we saw them beat Germany and Spain in the group stage really impressive campaign and they're just so close and I thought this would be their year to get through, break through that round of 16 ceiling. Um, but it just wasn't to be. But um, they've got a great crop of players. Um, and I think they will definitely be back. And, and you know, you learn much more from these losses than you ever would with wins. And, and I think, you know, over the next couple championships um, or tournaments, um, I think they could make a much deeper run in uh, in the AFC um, tournament or or even the World Cup, so um, congrats to Japan, Croatia, getting through by the string of the skin of their teeth, even. Um, which brings us to the next AFC team that didn't do as well, although their opponent uh, was actually. You know what, Enric? Let's uh, let's end with that. Let's move on to. Um, we'll we'll come back to Brazil and, and South Korea. Let's go to uh, Morocco and Spain. The upset, I guess you, you would call it on paper, 
Um, Morocco have been great. We've seen that, but they get the win in penalties. Uh, no goals scored in this game. Enrico, what was going through your mind during the game and during the penalty shootout? Well, in one way, I think I predicted that Morocco is going to go through. And as I was watching the game live with Spain uh, dominating through the whole match, I thought that they were going to score a goal and uh, and send Morocco at home. And it would it wouldn't be a game like Croatia against Japan where I predicted Japan to go through and they didn't. So. Morocco, a uh, really impressive side. I think they have now been the dark horses officially because every other team uh, already went home and they're the only team still alive in this competition. And beating Spain in penalty kicks, I think that means a lot for their nation, uh, an African team that you really wouldn't expect to go through, uh, to even go through the group stage and doing so in the round of 16 against the grand, uh, Spanish side is really um, impressive in my opinion. And they have the potential to advance even more if they're going to continue to play like that. For the penalty kicks, again, it's uh, it's all based on luck. And despite Luis Enrique saying that as long as soon as he became the coach, he gave his players one job, and that was to take 1,000 penalties for the club they were uh, actively playing. And despite that, that just uh, it just meant that no matter how many penalties you take, when you come to that really important stage like the world cup the pressure the pressure probably gets into you and you don't know what to what to do anymore there were players that uh you wouldn't really expect to even sh- uh, shoot a penalty kick like Sergio Busquets uh as a Barca fan I don't think he's ever hit a penalty kick before and seeing him do the same do that for Spain is just crazy uh I'm not sure if, if that's a coach who uh told these players hey you 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 is going to shoot or if it's the players who decided but at the end of the day uh Spain go home the same thing that happened in 2018 against I believe uh I forgot who they Russia, played but I think. Yeah, yeah Russia. Russia they eliminated Spain in 2018 World Cup in penalty kicks the same thing and it sucks. It sucks for the Spanish team, Spanish football, a team that won the World Cup in 2010. And going out like this is just depressing. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've got to echo a lot of the same thoughts. I mean, I think I said 1-0 to Spain and that they'd pass around the ball, uh, not score, then bring on Morata, who would, who would eventually score. They brought on Morata in the 63rd minute, and he just couldn't. he couldn't score. And I think the Spanish team is just a little too indirect. Um, Luis Enrique, I really like. I loved his time at Barca, of course, winning the treble with Neymar. Uh, one of my favorite ever seasons for that trio and Neymar, Neymar and, and Barcelona. Um, but um, but yeah, they couldn't get it done. And the longer the longer the game went on, you just had that feeling that Morocco was uh, might might have more of a more of a chance. Um, especially when it got into uh, extra time, there was a Morocco was creating opportunities, of course, but there was a point where you saw that they were going for penalties. Um, and, and like you said, some, some questionable calls uh, from, I'm not sure if they were volunteering themselves or if Luis Enrique was saying, okay, here's where we going or they're going, we talked about it's such an experience and mental game. They went for the experienced player first, Sergio Busquets, um, kind of a an interesting choice there, like you said, uh, to put it mildly. Um, but uh, um, yeah, an unfortunate result. And I also wanted to just uh, call out um, Pablo Sarabia coming on for penalties. Uh, one of my most, my big pet peeves, and I, I, to be honest, I haven't looked at the numbers. I could be totally wrong. Statistically, I could be totally in the wrong, but I don't like seeing a player come on cold who's been sitting for uh, 120 minutes coming on at the latter part for just for penalties. Uh, I think of that Zaza penalty in the Euros a few years back for Italy. Um, I was going back through my tweets. You saw it in the Europa League final the other year, Aaron Ramsey, or was it Ramsey for Rangers coming on against Eintracht Frankfurt? Yeah, Um, I think so. Yeah, just these players um, coming off cold, uh, you know, tons of nerves. I, I just, I don't like it. I think you need to be in the game. I think you need to be warm. I think you need to be loose. And I think you need to have that, uh, have that um, like feel for the ball in the game. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I think the players uh, who shoot the ball, they shouldn't be substituted in uh, in the 119th minute unless you are the goalkeeper. As we saw, I think Morocco substituted their keeper. This could be another match, but uh, Bono did really good into saving three of the Spanish pants. One of them hit the post, of course, but he gets the right side. And it's a game uh, just like the Netherlands against Costa Rica in 2014. If you remember Tim Krul coming on for Netherlands, substituting Silison, who at that time was uh, in the peaks of his career, probably playing for Barcelona. And what uh, what a run he had. Uh, Tim Krul, who currently plays for Norwich, I believe, he saved a lot of penalties and saved Netherlands and put them to the next round. Yeah, yeah. And and speaking of the, the Moroccan team, I mean, we talked about a little bit with Spain, how disappointed it is, but they they were great. Amrabat was awesome. Um, I know he was kind of a, a, a more of like a FIFA player. You'd, you'd see him, you know, people would talk about him in career mode and stuff like that, but he never really panned out um, to be that elite level player. Um, but uh, but Ziyech, of course, and Hakimi um, as well, uh, all really impressive and um this morocco team's serious and i think they can they can they can definitely do some damage against portugal and they can beat portugal you know if if things go their their way so um really uh tense game uh, maybe not the most exciting until the end of course uh but awesome to see morocco through they're a great team and and, and yeah carrying the standard for african football um, all right, last match before we move on to the B big Brazil game. Uh, this one was an even bigger win. Uh, Portugal 6, Switzerland 1. Um, I think I said Portugal going through. Uh, I think, did you say Swiss or did you say Portugal? No, I said Portugal too. Okay, good. We're on the same page. <laughs> um, but uh, domination, Gonzalo Ramos, uh, hat trick. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo left on the bench. Um, so all sorts of action going on in this game. Uh, how, how did you find this one? As soon as I saw the lineup and the a news saying that Ronaldo was benched, I really thought that this was going to be an impressive uh, game for Portugal. Not saying that Ronaldo hurts the team, but I think I think they play better without him, whether it's Manchester United or Portugal, having like a young type of striker capable of making great runs and dribbling and shots and that's what Portugal proved to do in this match with Gonzalo Ramos. I believe he is 21 or 22 years old, his fourth appearance for Portugal. And look at him, three goals uh, while benching Cristiano Ronaldo. What a performance he had coming from zero goals prior to this match. Now with uh, three goals, he is tied with Gakpo, Giroud, Saka, Rashford, Richarlison and Messi. So a really good uh, performance by him and also by his team members. Pepe got into the score sheet. Rafael Leao scored as well. And Ronaldo also had a goal, which was canceled for offside. But great, uh, great play by him in this match. And Switzerland also got uh, a goal with Akanji scoring. I'm glad that they didn't end this tournament without a goal. Imagine how devastating that would have been losing 6-0 in the round of 16. But, of course, the better side, in my opinion, uh, won this match, something that you you didn't see clearly between Morocco and Spain, where both teams were kind of similar while playing. And really uh, great, great performance by Portugal. And I wish them the best luck in the next rounds. Yeah, the great, great performance by Portugal, like you said. Um, yeah, Pepe scoring. I couldn't believe that. Um, you know, he's he's a legend absolute legend um and yeah i, I kind of like ronaldo coming off the bench if i'm honest um and liao of course getting getting that goal he's one of my favorite players plays for ac milan um yeah portugal obviously the better team and like you said i kind of had a feeling once ronaldo was on the bench i didn't know if that was gonna you know spoil some of the mood um i don't think it did uh they they really went off and they were unleashed and um there's a great follow on twitter marino uh Peixoto, i think it is um, who follows Portuguese football and he's a commentator of sorts. And, and I think he had a good feeling. He was tweeting about his feelings before the game. And when he saw Ronaldo was dropped, he thought that would really free up the team. Um, and it certainly did. I was half hoping that they might get seven or eight, just so people would stop saying 7-1 Brazil. Um, but, uh, but it wasn't to be. Switzerland 
don't do a lot for me. They've got some good players. Uh, Akanji, of course, with the goal, who's one of them. I like Mbolo too, even though maybe he hasn't lived up to um, some of the hope uh, when he was at um, at Basel and, and Schalke earlier in his career. But uh, but yeah, great uh, great performance from Portugal. Yeah, All right, and let's... talking, oh, go talking about the seven one, uh, I think that's the something that would be both me and you were hoping about uh, for the next match. We're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah, it definitely looked like there could be another 7-1 involving Brazil. Uh, Sao on the right side of things this time. Uh, they only get four. I say only in quotes. 4-1 uh, over South Korea. Uh, great game here. So let's just start from the top. Um, the most important news going back into this was Neymar's back in the lineup. You had a good feeling last podcast. You said it. And, uh, and um he was back. So talk me through the lineup and the formation um, and your thoughts on that. Well, I think in this game, Chiche did a really good job into the selections he made. I believe it was the same formation that we saw against Serbia and against Cameroon, but against Cameroon, it was sort of a different uh, players playing uh, a secondary type squad. In this match, uh, we had Richarlison, striker, a really good choice, in my opinion, who is capable of scoring. Vinny and Rafinha on the wings, Neymar in the middle, and then uh, Casemiro and Lucas Paqueta as CDMs. Great uh, selection as well for the left back and right back. As we know, uh, Telles is injured, and so Danilo replaced him in that left back position uh, with Militao playing on the right. And uh, Diego Silva and Marquinhos have been really good for Brazil, two great defenders who are capable of stopping any high-rated uh, potential striker in the world. And Allison is a really good goalkeeper, in my opinion, and he should continue to play instead of Ederson unless something happens. Yeah, I agree. Love the lineup. I think this is probably their best. I think in this tournament, this has proved their best. You could argue maybe Bruno Guimaraes, um in in midfield with in that Pakata spot although I think Pakata I think maybe I've mentioned it before but I think he's got a little better chemistry with Neymar he's a little more experienced um and uh but yeah just about their best um 11 obviously the injury um to Alexandra means Eder Militao is in that right back position uh but he did really well so and, and of course he's quick and we'll get to it later but that's one of the things that uh, people are talking about in the in the um, the next few matches um, for for Brazil. So, as this thing started off, um, how do you feel? I mean, Brazil immediately on the front foot, right? Yeah, exactly. They completely destroyed Korea's defense, especially in the first thirty minutes. And I I think there was a pretty dominant performance by our home team. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Just crushing dominance from the get-go Vinicius had that that early goal uh which is uh credit to your boy from Barcelona Hafinha um setting it up I'm not sure if Richardson actually got a, a touch on it or if he Rafinha got the assist uh but uh Vinicius Jr um finished off the move I think it was sixth seventh minute and uh from there I just had a really good feeling they were dominating and um they 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 were just absolutely um just in control and I, they, it was never in doubt really for me um the second goal a penalty uh deserved yeah i think it was totally deserved although it was in the very edge of the box and i believe uh where richarlison fell could have been outside the box still it's called as a penalty and neymar as we know he is very calm and composed for the penalty kick, he hits it really well, and keeper can guess right, as we've seen uh, where he shoots penalties with PSG. Yeah, yep. Uh, Richarlison gets gets the pen, and you're right. I thought when I was watching it, um, I, I had to watch it at work, so I was just watching on my phone, and I saw it from the edge of the box, and I was like, ah, it's got to be, it's going to be a free kick, but uh, but it's but it's a pen, and yeah, Neymar back from injury gets the goal, um, and. A, huge goal not necessarily for the outcome of the game but that puts him just one back of the greatest player in history's goal tally for the brazilian national team um pele of course that record of 77 neymar with 76 we've known for a while that he's likely going to surpass pele which is so so impressive but he's he's really really close um but yeah 
great to see him back from injury. Um, you know, I was pretty worried. People were saying, oh, he doesn't look right. He's not moving right. Um, but uh, he he looks pretty good, and I, I'm glad he got the goal um, uh, for, uh, for, the, for the Brazilian team. Yeah, and uh, ever since I followed Neymar, as I've talked about in the very first episodes of the podcast, uh, ever since I believe he scored maybe 20, 30 goals, I've always kept an eye on that Wikipedia link of top goal scorers for Brazil and seeing him jump from like 10th place where Ronaldinho is currently sitting with 33 goals, I believe. I've always uh, wanted Neymar to go higher and higher less than a year ago. He overpassed uh, Ronaldo Nazario, and that was a really good stat or fact by Neymar to do that. And now uh, potentially surpassing Pele for the record is pretty exciting. I hope he is not one of, but the best Brazilian goal scorer in history. And in this game, as we saw, uh, Korea wasn't really a side that could uh, be skipped. Uh, they had really good chances to score, and Allison was forced to make some wonderful saves. Yeah, especially that I think it was Huang Hing Chan who uh, who had that forced that big time save in the first half from Allison. Um, yeah, very impressive, Allison. I think um, much uh, the better shot stopper, in my opinion, of uh, between him and Ederson. Um, and I think that's the right call in this team. Ederson, I think, better with the ball. But Allison, showing how great he is um, uh, uh, in, in that stop. Um, the third goal, wow, what a goal that was. I just about, um, you know, whooped or, or hollered or cheered in my office when I saw that um, sensational from Richarlison. Yeah, I saw that too. And at that moment, I was like, okay, what is Richarlison doing? He hits the ball three times with his head, keeps it in the air. Maybe the Korean player is a little shorter and can't really fight back to win that ball. But uh, Richarlison plays it really well, passes, turns around, combines with Marquinhos, and then scores. And what a goal that was. Uh, Brazil had uh, scored three goals the whole competition in the group mat- in the group stage, and now scoring three within half an hour is just impressive they continue to uh, be really excited dancing and i like how they went uh, all the way to teach the coach and alongside all the substitute they hit the dance of the pombo as they say which is a penguin dance yeah yeah they uh they hit the pigeon dance and yeah i cannot believe tj hit it uh everyone was loving that and that gif i or excuse me gif i don't want to get myself in trouble uh the gif going around on Twitter is just amazing. And that's going to be iconic. You're going to see that on Brazilian memes. You're going to see that on, you know, uh, out of context footy. What I, the meme pages are going to, you're going to see that for years and years to come. Incredible moment. Um, and they weren't even done there. A fourth goal, Lucas Pacata getting in. Vinicius, great little flick. Um, what about the fourth goal? I mean, that at this point, they're just having fun. And they definitely seemed like they were having fun. Yeah, of course. And as you said, Paqueta had an unbelievable first-time volley kick. He sends the ball in the net, 4-0 for for Brazil, really impressive. And he hits the crazy dance after that impressive performance as well. And it's great to see the Brazilian uh, players really enjoy this moment. Although uh, beating a South Korea side who was not the potential, could not be the potential winners of the World Cup. Still, it's great to keep the spirit going throughout the competition. Yeah, I agree. And and look, Roy Keane can have whatever opinion he wants. I love the dancing, and uh, I think that's um, it. Makes you know the um, the atmosphere light. They're having fun, and, and and really, that's that's a component of what it is to be on this Brazilian team. Um, and, and you see that with Anthony, Neymar, Vinny. You've seen it with all the guys and, and Lucas Pacata here um, as well. Uh, another guy who has been um, excellent for the Salisal, the workhorse, uh, though he might not be getting on the score sheet every time. I was reading an article in Globo that was saying, you know, everyone's saying that Hafinha is the guy who is really the engine of this team. He makes a lot of the chances. Um, what do you think about Rafinha? Yeah, he's a really good player dribbling on the wings. And although he has not been scoring for Brazil recently, and the same thing goes for Barcelona, I think he has only two goals so far. 
he has been a spark in that right wing position. And that movement in the second half, which could have made it five, reminded me of uh, Dembele's uh, play style for Barca or for France and the way how he moves left and right and the defenders can do anything to stop him. Otherwise, they're going to break their own ankles. And the Korean keeper makes a super save and stops that fifth goal. Alisson also, uh, as I said earlier, he had wonder saves, but he couldn't stop South Korea's one and only goal. There was It was a great hit, hit outside the box, and the ball took a little deflection from our player. And Alisson is a really good keeper. As we mentioned earlier, uh, I think the only thing that Ederson is better for is their reflexes. I think if it's a super hit uh, by a player close close range, I think Ederson makes a better uh better job saving that ball but he makes some stupid mistakes as well like uh keeping the ball with his feet and potentially even clearing the ball from the line which is really scary yeah i agree allison's so so good and ederson maybe hasn't beat i think the ball technique uh and and distribution but yeah allison much the better stop stop shot stopper um <laughs> Unfortunately, you couldn't get the clean sheet. Uh, South Korean player uh, with an absolute wonder goal, in in my opinion, uh, outside the box. Uh, and yeah, you said took that slight deflection, but that's not to take anything away from him. His first touch was immaculate. It was perfect. He was able to bring the ball under control, and then he just unleashes uh, a howitzer, and, and, and it beats Allison. So uh, 4-1, the final score. Uh, we got to see... Though some of the the gray hair, I guess you could say, on the team, um, Weverton comes in in goal, switching out for Allison. Um, nice gesture by Chichi. Now all twenty three players in the squad have hit the pitch, or um, yeah, twenty three or twenty six. Uh, either way, they've all been um, they've all been on the pitch, uh, which is great to see. Great gesture from Wever uh, from Chichi to let Weverton in, um, and Denny Alves as well. Yeah, I like that uh, from Chicha as well. And he probably would have thought of bringing a Weverton on uh, in a potential 2 or 3 nil win against Cameroon, but things didn't happen to end up that way. And we had to fight to keep that uh, one goal uh, minimum at least because we could have conceded a second. So uh, really, really good to see him come on, as you mentioned. And also Benny Alves was really desperate to get in the score sheet. We saw as soon as we stepped on the pitch, really hoping to potentially uh, score. And there was a great chance by Martinelli, who also came on. He dribbled near the back line, crossed it to Dani Alves, who got a well-timed shot. But the ball hit the defender, and unlucky for him, he couldn't get that fifth goal. Yeah, I, I wanted him to score as well. You know, I, I think... I have mixed feelings about him being in the team, but I think he's a great leader. I think he's a locker room guy. But I really, I wanted him, you know, he's here. I wanted him to get that goal because, you know, talk about celebrations. You know, he was going to sell it pretty hard, too. And, and, yeah, Martinelli, I love Martinelli's game. He's been great when he's come on. Um, and unfortunate as it is for Arsenal fans that they've seen um, Gabriel Jesus go out with an injury, I think they can have some consolation with how, how great Martinelli is, uh, both for their club and obviously for Brazil. Um, so there you go. That was Brazil's... 4-1 win over South Korea. Um, it does mean that uh, they advance to the quarterfinals. Uh, they will play Croatia, of course. And uh, I think I know what we're both going to say here um, as we move into the quarterfinal uh, predictions. Um, but I'm going to ask you anyway, Anrek, uh, Croatia, Brazil, what's your prediction? So last time we saw these teams play together was, I believe, in the 2018 uh, friendly right before the World Cup, where Brazil uh, definitely won that match, I think 3-1 or 4-1. And the game prior to that was in the World Cup, first match of the 2014 uh, in Brazil. If you remember watching that match, uh, you know that Marcelo scored the first own goal of the competition. But still, Brazil managed to turn things around, and I think we're going to see the same thing uh, in this match, I think Croatia is not going to go home without scoring at least one goal. And on the other side, Brazil can win 2-1. So I, I think they're going to score 3-1 three. Three, for Brazil is my prediction. Okay, I really like that. 
Um, I, I kind of, I like that, that two goal cushion. It, I think I have this feeling it might be a two, one win. I know you said they, it's, it's hard for Brazil to win two, one, but I, I think it's going to be a case where they get to and Croatia win, uh, get a, get a late goal, um, that, uh, in the end is, is a consolation goal, but, you know, we talked just briefly about, uh, this before Croatia are definitely no slouches. Um, I don't want any sort of looking beyond this match from the players and certainly not for the fans. Just makes me nervous. You got to beat what's in front of you. And right now, Croatia is in front of us. Um, they're a great team, but I, I think Brazil will, will find a way to win. Um, of course, they were the runners up last year. And yeah, that match, um, I, I think I watched both previous matches, that friendly right before the World Cup. I think Neymar scored. I think, again, he was coming back from injury. Um, and that was good. I was much more optimistic then. Um, and yeah, that first game in the 2014 World Cup, Neymar's first World Cup, so exciting. He scores two, the pen, and then that almost a scuff shot that just yeah. rolls in. It's like he just had something magic. And I remember watching that and his golden hair and um and I was I was really I was really impressed and I was I was pretty excited that this kid I, I was had this fear almost that he wasn't going to be living up to the what we saw at Santos um and in the Confederations Cup the last year but he scores two against Croatia and I was like yes so I'm going to one win for for Brazil yeah, absolutely. And going back to that 2014, uh, mentioning Neymar of not potentially achieving that success that he has already done so. I remember people even comparing him to James Rodriguez, saying that James is a much better player, a little bit younger. And of course, he's going to do better than Neymar. But as we know, where is James Rodriguez now in uh, Middle East and far away from main football, just like Oscar, that the way how he moved from Chelsea to check to China to play there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you, for all the flack that Neymar's gotten, this is a bit of a sidebar, but I think this is one of my pet peeves, all the flack Neymar gets and the doubters and the haters. I mean, think of all his comparables, right? Players like James, Bale, uh, Hazard, uh, Fala is still in the mix, I guess, but all these players have come, have they gone? Neymar, no one has the longevity Neymar has of his, you know, current crop. And that's why I, I, for the longest time, I've always had him at number three. And I think now he's number two, number one in the world. Um, but, uh, but it's hard to compete obviously with Messi and Ronaldo, but since the decline of both, I think he's, he's easily up there. And I think he's been, he had been, had that number three locked spot locked for a long time. Um, all right. Sidebar, but important. <laughs> um, moving on Netherlands and Argentina. Um, another one that I think, you know, if I was Argentina, I wouldn't be writing off the Netherlands. Um, they've got some quality. I don't think they excite me all that much, um, but uh, but they've got some quality. And Argentina have had some good times and some bad times in this tournament. So you don't really know what what way it's going to swing for uh, for Messi and company. Uh, what do you what do you make of this match, and what's your prediction? Uh, another throwback match from that 2014 World Cup, I believe in the semifinals. Uh, these two teams played against each other. It was a 0-0 uh, full-time and extra time. So they went to penalties and uh, Argentina advanced to the final. And I think in this game, Netherlands are a good side. Uh, they can potentially win matches, but I believe they're not scoring more than one goal, if not still zero goals. And Argentina is going to win uh, by at least one or two so my prediction is Argentina 1-0 or 2-1 for this match because they haven't been able to score more than two goals in any of the games that they played so far yeah okay you know I, you know I like it I like it uh, you went 3-1 for the first match and 2-1 um for this one I'm going 3-1 for this one I think <laughs> similarly I, I don't think you're right. They haven't scored two, um, you know, two more than two, but I think in a situation like this, Netherlands really going to be pressing at the end. And I think they'll get one on, on the break, maybe Julian Alvarez again, or Lautaro um, if he comes on. Um, so, so I'm going, yeah. And, and I think it's just, it's a question of quality. And I think Argentina have, have more quality here. I think they're deeper. And I think, um, I think, 
that it's going to be the end of the line for the Netherlands. And uh, it's unfortunate for them. Um, but uh, I think Gakpo has been a, a great light in this tournament. And, um, and uh, of course, I think this is kind of more or less their ceiling. But we'll have to see. Uh, Argentina has disappointed themselves already this tournament. And, um, and uh, so we'll have to see how that turns out. Um, all right, moving on to the newly crowned uh, by the Smoky Snake podcast. And, and uh, I think a lot of people, newly crowned dark horses of this tournament, Morocco versus Portugal. Uh, what do you think here? Well, I have a feeling that that dark run uh, is going to end now. Uh, Morocco is a really good team. Who knows? Maybe they can even advance to the next round and beat Portugal. But the only team that they have beaten within the 90 minutes, a big uh, a big side nationality, was uh, not even beaten. It was Croatia 0-0. So it's not a team that – or it was against Belgium 2-0. That's the only win that they got. And even Belgium is a team that has suffered in this World Cup. And I think Morocco has no chance of getting past Portugal. There's no chance, in my opinion, for this game to go in extra time. And I really believe they're going to be tired after that Spain, Spain match and they're going to go home. Portugal, I believe, wins and they win confidently, just like they did against Switzerland. I'm going to go 3-0 or 4-0 to Portugal in here. Yeah. I mean, I don't really have to say, I think you said everything. I'm going 3-0 with you. Um, I think Morocco is just going to run out of steam and you've seen them grind out these wins. Um, but I, I think I think that takes a lot out of you and... I think they kind of had their peak moment versus Spain um, and, and Portugal is, is going to win this one comfortably um, with, uh, with a newly rejuvenated team that I think also um, we haven't been predicting goal scores, but I, my prediction, it's not going to be a goal score. It's going to be Ronaldo again on the bench um, uh, to start this one and, and coming on maybe 60th, 70th minute. Um, all right the last quarterfinal game and possibly the one where there's the most um, tension uh, historical and otherwise, but also I think the two most like uh, evenly uh, matched teams, England and France. Um, uh, where are you going with this one? Well, you can argue that both teams have, uh, have had great runs in this competition and both of them can win the World Cup. But England, as we've seen, has been a side that uh, gets good results, but then they fail in the most important stage. And France and the other side has Kylian Mbappe. If they don't have him, in my opinion, England has a really good chance of advancing. But with Kylian, I believe he scores one or two goals just like he did against Poland and uh, England go home. In my opinion, uh, prediction would be either 3-1 or 4-1 for France in this match. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, we've agreed on Brazil. We've agreed on Argentina. We've agreed on Portugal. We're going to disagree here. I'm going England. I've, I have I had a good feeling in my bracket that I filled out before the tournament. I had England actually going all the way to the final. Um, and uh, I'm going to stick with that. I'm going England. Um I think France is going to run out of steam. They won last year. Back-to-back -back is extremely difficult. I can't remember the last time a team has done that. Um, I think the odds are against France. Kylian Mbappe, of course, an incredible player. Um, I think he'll definitely get a goal, that's for sure. Um, but I think England are going are gonna, to um, outlast France. And I think... Even maybe uh, maybe I'll qualify it and even say a fully healthy France. I would feel much more comfortable saying they are going to win, but I think England pull it out. And I think also if I'm going to make a even crazier prediction, I think it's going to be a player coming off the bench who's going to determine this game. I think I, I like some of the attacking options England have off the bench. So I'm going England, and I'll give them I'll give them a two one extra time win well i like that and i like how we have different opinions at least that gives us a reason uh what to talk about in the next <laughs> podcast so let's see what happens in that match is going to be a really great uh one of the best in my opinion and it's going to be the last match of the quarterfinals 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm looking forward to getting your text on Saturday saying either haha you were right or haha I was right. <laughs> so uh so yeah. Uh, all right, so there you have it. Uh we have a little difference in opinion, but but that's about it. And and before we let everyone go for the night, uh let's just check in with the top goal scorers. Like you said, Mbappe now leading the tournament. Um uh other people that are still in the mix still with their teams, still alive. Messi, Richarlison, uh, Rashford, Saka, Giroud, Gakpo, and Ramos with the three-goal game, all with three goals. Um, Julian Alvarez, Kramaric, uh, Bruno Fernandes, and Leao, uh, two Portuguese guys there at the end, uh, all with two goals. Um, anyone, uh, I guess, you know, uh, Mbappe, do you think Mbappe has got the uh, top score locked up? Any any thoughts on any of these scores or any players that you think that might burst into these these top scoring list? Yeah, I think Mbappe has a really good chance of winning that. And he's two goals clear of his opponents. And if it was just one goal, you would have thought that uh, maybe Messi or Richarlison can potentially overpass or tie him. But I think with plus two goals and potentially achieving the finals. And I think Mbappe has a great uh, statistics in his side, in his favor, and he could win that, in my opinion. And I forgot to mention that for the Portugal game against Morocco, I believe I said three or four nil for Portugal. I wanted mm. to add that Ramos, if he starts, uh, just like he did in the last game, he's going to score at least one in this match. Nice. All right. I love it. I love it. Man, and you know, if you're right, Mbappe could be in, in some serious trouble in, in terms of the top score. So watch out for Gonzalo Ramos. I like that. I think he's going to score for Portugal as well. Um, and uh, and yeah, and I think that's a podcast. So um, thanks so much, everyone, for listening. We'll be back uh, next week talking about all things World Cup and all things Brazil. But for now, we are signing off. Have a great night.